Father, we've all gathered together to learn from your word, to grow closer to you, to be encouraged. Lord, we understand you're calling us out this morning. We ask that your spirit would lead us where our trust is without borders. Let us walk upon the waters where you would call us. Take us deeper than our feet could ever wander. And our faith will be made stronger in the presence of our Savior. Father, we do ask that you would strengthen our faith. As we look back into Luke, as we close the chapter 2, help us to realize the faithfulness in these people's lives that we've just been reading about. Help us to be as faithful. Help us to trust you without borders. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. So I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We've been looking into Luke and seeing this indescribable prophecy coming about. The glory of God coming to his people again in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. The writers of the four Gospels have given us the story of Jesus' arrival and his life on on earth. As they were moved by the Holy Spirit to write this. These are men that are obeying God's work in their life in recording this. You see... Luke focuses mainly on the sympathetic ministry of, his, of the Son of Man. He devoted the early chapters of this book to record the Savior's birth. Luke is emphasizing Christ's humanity with us. For he knew that his Greek readers would identify with this perfect baby becoming a perfect man. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that God's Son has come into the world and died for our sins. It is the good news that our sins can be forgiven. That we can belong to the family of God and one day live in heaven with him. It is the announcement of victory over sin, over death, and over hell. As I study Luke's record here over and over, and looking at the characters that he's involved us with, one word keeps popping out to me, and that is faithfulness. We look at Zacharias, Elizabeth, Joseph, Mary, Simeon, and Anna are all faithful, faithful believers to our faithful God. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God. So whatever you're facing right now, do you have faith in God? Lamentations, as I read to you last week, in chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, it says, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. As I looked again into what we've been covering, I saw we keep noticing Jesus' names. There's three names given to God's Son so far. Jesus means Savior. And it comes from the Hebrew word Joshua, meaning Jehovah is salvation. But Mary's boy is called Jesus Christ. The word Christ means anointed. It is the Greek equivalent of Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus' human name 
is Jesus. But his official name is Christ. Emmanuel describes who he is. God with us. Jesus Christ is God. The king. The king is a Jew. The divine son of God is who we're looking at and listening to. And who acknowledged him first of all? It was the wise men from the east. Gentile scholars. They were studying the prophecies. They were looking into what was recorded. And they came across to worship God. Made me think, what happened to the priests in the temple in Jerusalem, as you see on that picture? They had the scrolls. What happened to them? Why didn't they see who he was or know when he was coming? I'd like to read this quote from this book. Made me think about how we're going forward this year. John Wooden, one of the greatest coaches ever, led UCLA basketball team to 13 national championships. He was the only person inducted into the Hall of Fame as both a player and coach. He would always tell his players, listen to this, failing to prepare is preparing, preparing to fail. I'll read that again. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. How well are you preparing yourself for Christ's return? How much do you know about Christ's return? How many of you have taken my challenge, my encouragement to read through the whole Bible? And I know, and I'm excited, at least 15 have contacted me and asked to find out how I do it, and I'm showing them, and I'm so encouraged to know that there's at least that, and I hope there's more, because you need to be prepared for what is coming. You need to be prepared for what God's going to allow happen in this world around us. You need to understand where you should be putting your focus. We will see later that the priests did not even recognize the Son of God as he sat with them discussing matters of his father in the temple. They missed him when he came as a baby. Only two believers, Simeon and Anna, waiting in that temple. And look how old they were. Faithful, devout believers, a remnant. And all those priests doing all those sacrifices, had no idea. It made me think, do they even believe what was recorded by the prophets? Do we believe what we're reading? Do you, when you get into the Old Testament, you're going to see how God does things. How he is involved in every single thing that's going on. Two faithful people, they trust in faith without borders. They never gave up. She's 84 years old, living at the temple. Simeon, believing what the Holy Spirit told him. You will not die till you see the Messiah. And then going every day. How did he keep going without allowing himself to doubt that he ever heard that? Faith. Their faith is impacting me even more. It's making me stronger in my faith. If these people can do this. Is it impacting you? Somebody contacted me this week and said after the last sermon. Where I asked you all to imagine Mary and Joseph. Their age. They said, wow you really made me think about it. These are real people you're talking about. These are real people. 
They went through this. It's recorded for you to build your faith, your trust. John chapter 4 verse 41 and 42 says, Many more believe because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. You're going to believe more of this. And you're going to believe more what's taking place when you're in the Word. You have to be in the Word. Because God is calling you out. And His plan for the rest of earth is coming in faster and faster as you look at the news. Are you prepared? Are you preparing your way? In Jesus Christ, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge... I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. Colossians 2.3 This is coming. People are going to try and delude you. False teachers. The Antichrist. They are going to twist this whole story. But if you know it, you believe it, you're ready. I want to take a look at Matthew as I spend some time thinking about his journey in this whole picture. And the Lord led me to Matthew just to take a look at what he does with Matthew. And by the way, um, Joseph is back in our nativity scene for next year's Christmas. We're taking care of that so we have a normal family back together again. After Mary's encounter with the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, we see that the Lord deals with her husband, Joseph, the head of the house, the leader. Think about this. It's now Joseph. It's the men in this congregation that God wants you to be the head of your house, the leader of your home. Joseph has four dreams when he is spoken to by the angel of the Lord. And Joseph is given direction on what he should do and where he should go. And once again, we see Joseph is faithful and obedient. He doesn't rationalize this dream or that inner voice, that whisper. He responds... And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 and 18, you'll see this through 18, you'll see the story of what takes place there when God calls him. After the visit of the wise men, Joseph was warned by an angel of the Lord to take Mary and Jesus and flee to Egypt. The reason was Herod was, would be searching to find Jesus and kill him. Under the cover of darkness, it says Joseph obeyed and his family journeyed into Egypt. Why Egypt? These are the questions as you're reading this, you should ask. The Messiah was sent to and returned from Egypt so that the prophet's word, out of Egypt I called my son, might be fulfilled. This is a reference to Hosea chapter 11 verse 1, which does not seem to be a prophecy in the sense of a prediction as you read Hosea. Hosea was writing to God's calling on Israel, his people, and telling them that we're coming out of Egypt into the Exodus. Matthew, however, gave new understanding to these words. Matthew viewed this experience as Messiah being identified with his nation, Israel. Again, some scholars would try and argue this, but we know this word is, was inspired word of God to these men. The Holy Spirit moved them to record this. Joseph takes the encounter with the angel of the Lord seriously and steps out on his long journey, the unknown, 
As you read that, think about how much information God does give these people. And the same as God's called me to do different things. There's very limited amount of information. It's based on faith and trust in Him and obedience to do it. In faith, we see God has provided for this journey for them. The wise men delivered those gifts. You ever thought about it when you thought about the wise men coming to meet with them? And what was those gifts used for? Here he has a long journey to Egypt. And he has to live there and provide for his family. And here he has these gifts from the wise men. So Joseph and Mary faithfully, obediently follow God's call to the unknown. We also see Mary trusts her husband here. She trusts and follows his lead. Think about it. When you, when you read this, allow yourself to be in that position as a wife and a husband. Some of the things God's asked me to do, I got to the point of thinking, well, how do I present this to Linda, my wife? That she could understand it. But I know this is what God's calling me to do. Wives have to trust their husbands. Women and husbands have to have earned that trust. Are you in the word? Are you teaching your family? Because God is calling you out to be involved in this ministry. God never seems to explain it all. The mystery of it all is always there. God has taught me over the years that I can handle what he's giving me to do if I trust and have faith in him. God has never given me something that I cannot handle without him. You see, you're never going to go and do what he's calling you to do alone. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. What is God calling you out on? You have to be reading this. You have to know your relationship with God. And that is building it up as you read the word of God. You see how he keeps his promises with those he calls out. Look at this. Uh, as, I was, as you know, I'm all reading through the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, it says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Think about that. This is the situation where they're at. They're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is standing next to Abraham. So I shut my eyes and try to picture this. And so they're on a hilltop looking down at Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is, the Lord is standing here, possibly with his arms folded. And Abraham's next to him. And God is thinking, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? See, you really get to know God in the Old Testament in a very big way, what he can do and what he's capable of doing. And he does it. He's thinking, can Abraham handle this? My question is, can you handle it? A lot of people struggle with the Old Testament, what God does in it. Can you handle it? God wants you to trust him and have the same faith as Joseph and Mary. And even going way back to Abraham. And in that situation where you see Abraham and the Lord standing together there, you see how he is developing his communication with God. In the way the words are written, you get that sensitivity of the nervousness of who he's talk, about to talk to. 
He knows his nephew Lot is down in Sodom and Gomorrah. He is really concerned for his life. But he knows who he's standing next to. And you see the humbleness in the words, how he starts to ask God, uh, what if there's, uh, would you kill the righteous with the wicked? And what if there's 50 people there? Would you still do that? You see who, the, this is God and what he's about to do. And look at this man approaching him nervously, reverently, fearfully coming before God. And God says, no, well, if there's 50, that's okay. And then it goes on. And now he th- doesn't want to push boundaries, but he's wanting to intercede for others. And he's concerned for a lot. And then he goes on to ask, what if there's five less? And God says, okay, there's 45. I'll spare it. And it goes on and on all the way down to 10. But the way Abraham is speaking to God can teach you how you should come to God in prayer and in conversation with the Lord. All the promises of Scripture will certainly be fulfilled. And you have to know them to be able to get through what's coming. God is faithful. Isaiah 46.10, in the last part of verse 11, listen to this, says, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, and I surely will do it. Huge statement to get your head around, to understand. He is going to accomplish everything that he has started out to do. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24 says, Faithful is he who calls you. You have been called out here. And he also will bring it to pass. What God wants to involve you in and have you do, he will fulfill it. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and if you commit yourself to Him, He will give you eternal life. And you see, that's not where it stops. There's a lot more. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Your eyes are opened. The Word of God stands out completely different. Again, this year I've started a different Bible than this one. And I'm already starting to underline and see things I've never seen before. One verse in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, I used seven times with seven different people this week in these circumstances. And I have never underlined that verse before. God is speaking to you through the Word of God. It's relevant for you today and what He's putting you through. Your eyes will see the most amazing things, and your ears will hear that still small voice, that whisper. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 reminds us, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. And it is going to get worse. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 39 to 52 there. We're going to finish up chapter 2. We'll just break down these verses. A very interesting closing of chapter 2 here. Verse 39 says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. This was about 65 miles north of Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus grew up. It says in verse 40, The child continued to grow and become strong, 
increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Continue to grow and be strong tells us he was fully human. He was just like the other children around him. He was developing like those children, but unaffected by sin. The grace of God was on him. It is not the same grace as that God grants undeserving sinners. This grace is because it's his son. And his favor and the favor of God was granted to his son. And we see that in Luke chapter 3 verse 22. When God says to his son, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. The preparation for his ministry took place in this town. As he continued to grow up, Luke noted that he became strong and was filled with wisdom. I was thinking about how could anyone compare to Jesus as a child. And I looked up to see how possible a child could be far more advanced than others. And I came across this story about a modern-day child's wonder that King Ung Young from Korea, by the time he was four, he was able to read Korean, Japanese, German, and English. And at the same age, solved complicated calculus problems on Japanese television. Kim came to the United States at the invitation of NASA and earned a Ph.D. in physics before he turned 16. Quite a bright young man. But even in that, no human can reach the IQ of God. No feats of learning can compare to Jesus. His infinite mind and capabilities go far beyond what we can think of. Here we see Luke is the only account that has recorded the incident of Jesus' childhood. Verse 41 says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. If you're not reading the whole Bible, you won't understand why this feast is so important. This is to celebrate together as a nation God's deliverance from bondage in Egypt. And this is huge. When you get into this story in the Old Testament, see what God does in front of these people. It'll change your life. This is huge. It is so huge. These people make this three to four day journey. Not in the most comfortable way of traveling. They would travel with relatives, friends in a caravan. That would give them some protection against highway robbers. I wondered what went through Jesus' mind when you think about this. All these people are coming at the same time to sacrifice, to fulfill the law, the Old Testament. And Jesus is standing with Joseph as he buys a lamb to sacrifice for the family. And he's standing there seeing this. What was going through his mind when he knows he's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? He is going to be the ultimate sacrifice at this time in his mind. He was the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. Now you have to think about these things when you're reading the word. He's a man. He's human. His dad is doing these things in and around him. Verse 42 says, And when he became twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it. After spending the full number of days, once again we see dedication, devotion, faithfulness, obedience. They didn't just pop in, do their sacrifice and start heading home. They committed to the things of the Lord. 
They are committed to fulfilling the law at that time. They know what is required of them and they are obeying it. So ask yourself when you're reading this and seeing the dedication of this young couple, these people making this big journey, how much are you being devoted to the things of God? How, much, how many of you are focused on prayer, kneeling down and praying, reaching out, knowing you have the gospel, you have Jesus Christ abiding in you? What is he calling you out to do to be dedicated at and fulfilling? Verse 44 says, But supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. So I want the moms in here to imagine your 12-year-old son isn't around. It made me think about it when I read this, Scott, my oldest son up there. When we were in a mall in Ireland, he was not quite 12. But I thought he was with Linda, and Linda thought he was with me. He was gone. I lost him. Linda lost him, actually. <laughs> She's not here today. So, But allow yourself, moms, what was that like? I watched Linda go absolutely Crazy, anxious, tears, that adrenaline rush of absolute panic, trying to find a security guard quickly. I'm running around these aisles of clothes, crying out for Scott. I was totally helpless. Can you imagine Joseph and Mary? What words would, as men now, what would you be feeling? How could you comfort your wife? And they're a day's journey away. They've got another day to get back there. And that says it takes another day for them to find him. What went through that couple's life? And think about it. Joseph was totally helpless, but worse than that, he just lost the Messiah. Man, talk about complicated situation. I gave you the responsibility to take care of this child. What are you doing? Oh, when you start getting into that, you've got it. You see these people living a life like we are. Verse 45 says, When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the, of the teachers, both listening to him and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his outstanding, and, sorry, his understanding and his answers. For me, this marked a transition. Luke is giving us compelling testimony that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and the one through whom God will redeem and save his people. We see here the testimony from Jesus, the child, at the age of 12, is already getting a complete understanding of his mission and purpose and his nature. He was God the Son, come to do the Father's will. So we see Jesus moving from the responsibility of his parents, to the, of his earthly parents, to the responsibility of God. Interesting, here in Luke, he doesn't use the word teachers again like he did there in verse 46. He only uses it for John the Baptist and Jesus. Because once Jesus was known as the teacher, there's no other teacher for us to follow. Verse 48, when they saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. I think that's putting it a little bit mildly after that. 
And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? And the New King James Version says it best for me. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And my American standard says, do you not know that I had to be in my father's house? So my question is to you, are you about your father's business? Doesn't scripture say we've been adopted? So are we about our father's business in everything we do, say, and involved in? But this closing part is the heart of this passage. It also expresses the ultimate reality of Christian theology here. This statement is the first time in Scripture that any individual claimed God as his personal father. Wow. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? This is amazing. It's a claim to deity, the full equality with God. The title Son of God describes Jesus as the second person of the Trinity as well. God incarnate is what we're looking at here. Verse 50 says, But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. Are you understanding what is being said to you here? And as you read through the whole Bible this year, you really need to ask. God says, ask and you shall receive. He's wanting you to ask for this, understanding, knowledge, wisdom, on how to get a grip of this Bible so that you can live out the life he's called you out on. They did, even then, his parents were still not getting this. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Remember last week? What on earth is going on? Think about what they're going through. Be in that position. And his believers in here, I'm sure a lot of you have, and I have been blessed to hear some of the stories where you have been feeling that, what, is, what on earth is going on? God is doing some amazing things. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature in the favor with God and men. It was time for Jesus. It wasn't time for Jesus to leave his parents' authority yet. It says there, he subjected himself to his earthly parents. And that isn't keeping in with the Old Testament law as well. It says in uh, Deuteronomy 5, chapter 16, and this is important for teenagers and young men and women. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you to do, that your days will be prolonged and that it might go well with you. I want to ask the teenagers and young men and women here, take a look around at those that do not know God at your age. Look at the mess they're in. And I see a lot of them at prison. And their question is, why did it get like this? How did I get there? So that it may go well with you. This is a command, young people. Honor your mother and father. And parents, think about that too now. Are you doing what you're called out to do? Are you teaching your children? Are you helping them learn and understand to develop a relationship with God? It's important not to ignore that verse. And look how Jesus, God, subjected himself to his earthly parents, who he's seeing, they cannot grip this. They cannot understand what he's doing. And he's only 12. 
Joseph and Mary had much to ponder at this amazing reply, and we should be the same. We should be totally amazed at this whole story. Jesus was their Savior, and listen to this, they would have to get to a point of wrench. Oh, let me try it another way. They will have to hand over authority to him at one point of their lives. His divine authority will be over them. So think about that as parents. Them, right now, are taking care of Jesus and still struggling to grasp that he is who he is. Are going to have to surrender their life to him. I believe God is asking you to hand over all authority of your lives to him. He wants you to surrender. He wants you to invite him in even more that you can experience him. In Revelation 3.20 it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, that inner voice, that still small voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and he will dine with me. And he with me. Invited, invite God in to explain to you what he is about to do. What he is doing. And if you're in the word, keep inviting him to explain it. Help you see it the way he wants you to. Listen carefully. Because God is calling you out here this morning. You are here. You've gathered here to grow closer to God. Romans chapter 10, 9 through 13 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. I have never been disappointed. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If anyone is sitting in here today, this is the time. He's calling you out. I'd like to pray with you again that chorus of that song. And I'd like you to think about these words. Take that sheet home. Even look for that song. Download it. And let God minister to you. You want this year to be a different year. Don't go about doing this year the same as you did last year. You're losing ground. You want to see change. You want to see the greater things of God. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, and as that verse said, they believe because of his word. We have your whole word. We have everything in here that is going to take place. So, Spirit, lead us where our trust is without borders. Let us walk upon the waters where you would call us. Take us deeper than our feet could ever wander. And our faith will be made stronger in the presence of our Savior. As we call upon your name, keep our eyes above the waves, our circumstances, our troubles, our doubts and fears, so that our souls will rest in your embrace. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.